Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share about how we can make a big difference in children's lives by telling your stories to them. And I just ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us and to be our teacher as we look at your keys in being a master storyteller like Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen. Okay, well, I have been in love with stories since I was a little kid. I always had my nose in a book, and but it really wasn't until I was um, in high school that I started hearing the stories of Jesus. Uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and and we would have occasional stories during the Mass, but but not really a lot of emphasis on the Bible, of course. And but you know, when I was in high school, um, I uh, had a friend and boyfriend, and his name was John, and he was on a spiritual journey. So he invited me um, to go along to church with him. He he had just been on a uh, a vacation with his folks, and while they were camping, some young people came to their trailer and was passing out tracks. And uh, one of the tracks was on the Sabbath. And so John looked at that, and he said, this looks really interesting. And so once he got home, he started going to the Livonia Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Michigan and uh, invited me to come along with him. And so we did. We went there, and um, we just loved it there. And the people were so warm and friendly. And every week, the pastor was telling us stories from the Bible and stories I had never heard before. And they just, they just filled up. I, back then, I was an atheist. And, and I, had like, I felt like I had this hole in my heart. I just felt so empty inside. You know, I had a lot of friends. I had a boyfriend. But I still had this emptiness. But when I heard these stories, they were filling that hole that I had. And so I really wanted to know more about Jesus. And, um, and then, pretty soon after I started attending, the superintendent of Sabbath School, Mrs. DiDonato, came up to me and she handed me the, the mission story book. And she said, will you tell these stories every week? Thank you. And, um, and I and I guess I sort of gulped and said yes, you know, but I had never told a story before in my life, you know, and, and I was, you know, I, we had the platform here, you know, and I, I was literally, my knees were literally shaking back there. I was so scared. But, you know, the more I told these stories week after week, the more I loved these stories, and I found that they were changing me. And I started to want to tell other people about Jesus. So, and I have been um, a storyteller ever since. I can move our slides here. Okay. Um, I've been telling stories, Bible stories to kids in Sabbath school. And, of course, I started out by telling mission stories. And I love telling mission stories to kids and to grown-ups. And I, I'm usually asked to be the storyteller for Vacation Bible School. And I, we have a church school, and so I, I often have been over there telling stories. And once a month, I am, you know, I'm on the, the docket 
for telling stories during church time. And I just love it. And the kids love my stories. The grown-ups love my stories. And, um, and I just have a wonderful time um, sharing Jesus that way. Well, I believe that Christian storytelling is a powerful way to witness for Jesus. Do you believe that? It, it is. It is a dynamic way, you know. And, you know, when I was a brand-new baby Christian, you know, I was reading the Gospels, and as I was reading them, you know, I saw over and over again that Jesus loved to tell stories. You know, that's, I think it was his favorite way of communicating the Gospel, you know, and the Kingdom of God to the people then. And I want to share with you this, this beautiful verse that's one of my favorites from Matthew 13, verse 34, where it says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in what? Parables. And a parable is a story, right? Okay. He did not say anything to them without using a parable or a story, you know. And sometimes... I don't know. Let me see if I brought my Bible. I forgot to get my Bible out. Sometimes we forget, you know, that the Bible is really a book of stories, right? It's a book of stories for, for men and women and for boys and girls who have lost their way and need to find their way home. You know, it's a way where God, it just amazes to me that God uses this simple, the simple technique to talk to us and to really turn our lives around. And he's done that for me. And so I wanted to start out by telling you a little story. My favorite stories are about my journey, you know, with Jesus. Because, you know, our testimony is the most powerful story there is. Okay, now... Like I said, I've been going to the, I went to the Livonia Seventy Adventist Church on Sabbath. I still went to church on Sunday with my, my parents, but my mom was seeing that I was getting a little too interested in this Adventist church. And she was the spiritual leader in our family. She was a dynamic, she, she had a pre-heart in her, you know, uh, she was a dynamic person. And she just put her foot down and she said, Susie, you are not going to that church anymore. You know, but by then, it was too late because the Sabbath seed had been planted in my heart, and I wanted to keep the Sabbath. And so I remember it was one Friday night, and my sister had gone out on a date, and I was in our room all by myself. And so I got out the hymnal. The pastor had given me a hymnal, and those were all new songs to me, so I would take it home and try to learn them. So I started out by singing a song, and then I got out my Bible. My boyfriend had given me a Bible. It was the first Bible I had ever owned in my whole life. No, this is not. Oh, no, this is not. <laughs> no, no, and this one is very old, too. But, um, but I was reading the book of Matthew. And the reason I got started on Matthew was because, first of all, my boyfriend gave me the book, Great Controversy. <laughs> And um, remember, as a Catholic, but it was the perfect book to give to me because, because I was a big history fan. And so I saw that, and that's all about history, you know, in the very beginning. And I read about Martin Luther, and he became my hero. I just loved him. And then I just noticed that all the people 
Well, all these people, they're laying down their lives for this book. You know, I said, what is with this Bible that people would do that? And then I noticed in Great Controversy, I said, man, there's a lot of Bible verses in this book. I said, so what is with this book? I am going to start reading this book and see what is so special about it. And so I believe the Holy Spirit guided me not to start in Genesis. I believe he guided me to start in Matthew in the New Testament. And that was the best place for me because it was not long before I fell in love with Jesus as I read his story. And, you know, I think, and then that Friday night, back to that Friday night, so it was that Friday night, I was all alone, and I just got down on my knees by my chair, and I said, God, I don't know how to do this, but I just want to let you know that I want to be your girl. I want to be in your family, and I want to be like Jesus. And so I just gave my heart to him. And that was the first, not the first step, but a first really big step for me in my journey with the Lord. And, you know, I believe because the Lord changed me through his story, I have been passionate about telling children's stories ever since. Because if they can change me, you know, an atheist girl, they can change our children's lives. And so that's why I've been really, it's, it's been a part of my my life ever since. Okay. Um, yeah, I love telling that story. Okay. <laughs> Our story is the most important story. So what we're going to do in this seminar, though, we are going to look at 10 keys that I have learned over the years that have helped me become a, a witness for Jesus and a storyteller for him. Okay, so first story, first key. Who is my story for? Now, this is a really important key. Okay, so um, if this, let's pretend this is three-year-old Jimmy. Now, if I'm going to tell a story to three-year-old Jimmy, I know that Jimmy, you know, he's in cradle row, so he has a very short what? Attention span, right. And I have just, I just saw this interesting formula that said you can sort of predict a kid's attention span by taking their age and just adding one to it. Okay, so, <laughs> so I, only, I only got Jimmy for how many minutes? Four minutes, you know, and I'm a Sabbath school teacher. I, I teach cradle roll and kindergarten right now. And, you know, we have a 10 minute time with the boys and girls for their lesson. But I've got a trick up my sleeve, okay? And you can use this when you tell children stories in, in vacation Bible school or for church service, okay? When you get Jimmy involved in your story, then you're stretching his attention span. So, you know, if I'm in Sabbath school, I can ask Jimmy to put a felt up on the board. And they just love that. Okay, cradle roll and kindergartners just love building that picture with you. Or sometimes I will use a simple de little device I made. These I call my Bible blocks. Now, what I did is I have a graphics program. And if, if you want to get in children's ministries, I really recommend that you get a, a graphics art program. You know, um, you can pull things from the Internet pictures. Okay, I, I do that a lot. 
but I also am thankful that I have my, my printmaster because they have a lot of pictures that I can use. So these are some of the Bible people from that. And I just, I just decoupage them onto, this is a, what we call underlayment. You know, you get it at the hardware store. And then my husband cuts some, some little pieces that are like, like a triangle, a right triangle. So it will stand up. So I, I, these are just about, um, these are just about, uh, what, five of them, but I have, I have about eight of, eight more at home. But I like to use them because then the, the, we can get down on the floor with the kids and they can help make the Bible scene and like they can move them around. It gets them involved, okay? The key to telling a story also is variety. You don't want to use just the same old method all the time. You want to use a lot of things. Okay, so sometimes I will use that. Um, let's see. Oh, I think I have something over here in my story kit that I forgot to bring around along. Okay. Sometimes I will bring Sarah, okay, when I tell a story, uh, whether it's for Sabbath school or, or up front. And I'll tell you, we'll get into this a little bit later. But um, something I always use, I never tell a story just with me, okay? I always bring something along. And this is Sarah, is Jairus's, could be Jairus's daughter, right? Okay, and so if I've got Jimmy in my class, okay, I'm going to have a little bed for, for Jairus's daughter, Sarah. And, you know, when, when she was first sick, I'm sure Jairus must have given her some medicine, that he got from the doctor. And so I have a little medicine bottle that I've saved, and I give that to little Jimmy, and little Jimmy comes up and gives Sarah a little drink of medicine, okay? And every child in the class will do the same thing, you know, but we say, it's still not working. She's still not better, you know? So those are some things that you can do um, in helping to get Jimmy involved, okay? so. I'm not, I'm going to teach a story very differently for him than I would for his sister who's in primary because she has a much bigger attention span. Okay? Now, another thing I'm going to do when I know who I'm talking to is I'm going to adjust my grown up vocabulary to their vocabulary. So I'm going to boil it down, simplify it, Okay, now when you're working with, uh, you know, juniors and early teens, you know, um, it's not so critical, you know, but, but still, if you, can, if you can be aware of some of their, their cool words, you know, <laughs> if you, the more time you spend with kids, the better storyteller you will be, you know. So we want to learn to speak their language, and that's our, our next key. Key number two is talk their language. Now, I brought a quarterly around. Um, okay, and our quarter, this is the one that I, I use in my class because I'm using the kindergarten lesson there. Um, and our quarterlies are a good tool if you're telling a story in Sabbath school. And if you want to become a storyteller, some of you ladies, um, want to be a storyteller and you are not involved in, in children's Sabbath school, I really suggest that you talk to your leaders and say, I'd like to come in maybe once a month. I'd like to tell the mission story 
or I'd like to be a sub for your teacher, or something. Do something, because the more you're with the children, okay, the more you understand how they tick, and it'll give you, and the more you tell stories, the better you're going to be at it. Okay, but our, star, our quarterlies are really good for putting the story in the kids' language, you know, and so if you read the quarterlies, it's really going to help you, especially, I think, Grace Link for kindergarten, it does a really crackerjack job at this. Yes, yes. Um, my daughter was looking at with you, and I think we were talking with you and the uh, yeah. Right yeah. This material they have from the 1970s, mm -hmm. would that be a different quote, children's language, than what they're using for now? Oh, very definitely. Children have changed that's quite a bit. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You would have to adjust that. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, um, okay, so. Um, let's say, all right, you, you know you're going to be, um, what, what the quarterly is good for is it breaks it down into the children in ways that children can understand, okay? And, you know, when they're telling a story, the stories in the quarterlies are not the same as, are not the same, excuse me, let me shut this. They're not going to have all the, the details that we have in our Bibles, especially if you're telling a story to a young child. Okay? There's some things that you, some stories you're not even going to tell a kindergartner that is in the Bible, you know, like the story of Bathsheba, for example, you know. Um, and you will, you will see that as you read children's stories for, for young children, they leave out a lot of war stories. You know, you might see it in primary and junior, they'll start to bring those in. But you won't see it with the cradle roll and kindergarten because they can't handle it, okay? It will be too what? Why wouldn't they be able to handle it? Yes, that it will be upsetting. The children that age are very feeling-oriented, and it will scare them out. They will scare them spitless, okay? And we don't want to interject that into their young lives. Okay, um, and so there. So that's when that's an important reason why we like to use our quarterlies. They are a good tool for storytelling. Okay, um, and and we also um, don't want to interject ideas that are over their heads. So if if I just was going to tell the story of David and Jonathan. And I quick like grabbed my Bible, looked it up, and went by my Bible alone. I could be adding things in my story that are way over their heads that they cannot understand. Um, just recently, um, I have like a team of storytellers that come in to do the lesson time in my room. I just lost my, my main teacher. He moved up north, and uh, I haven't been able to find, you know, one person. So I've got a team of four. But anyway, I had a sub come in, and she was telling the story about Joseph and his brothers, you know, how Joseph went with food to his brothers. And, um, but she didn't have time to study that lesson that week. She's a busy mom, and she just didn't have time. And so she just sort of winged it, you know, and she winged it mainly from the Bible. And so she was bringing, she was emphasizing all the hatred 
that Joseph's brothers had for him. You know, and going on about they were going to kill him, they were going to do this to them, they were going to do that to him. And she spent a lot of time doing that. And I was just cringing inside because I have cradle roll. This is cradle roll. She forgot who she was talking to. You know, but that's what can happen when we wing it. Okay? So we, we definitely don't want to do that. And I'm, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here a little bit. Okay, let's go on to the next one. So we don't want to read our story. That's a very big one. You know, when I see um, storytellers during the church service, so many people bring up a book or they bring up a paper and they end up reading it like they're giving a speech, you know, to the kids. And any of you who have done children's stories, you know that that is a killer of kid interest as soon as you read. Now, that's not a killer up here in this picture. Okay, because this is a nice warm time. Mommy with her little girl. There's, she's sitting on mommy's lap. They've got that colorful picture book. There's pictures on every page. You know, it's a, that's a great time to read to a kid. But when you've got a group of kids, you know, like if I had a whole front row of kids and I start to read to them, they're going to wiggle, they're going to start to talk, they're going to sometimes cry. You know, I have lost them. So I never, ever read. So what do you do when, you're, when you have a story? Well, you pick out your story, and let's say you know you're going to do it next week. So in the morning, when you get up, you read the story. Okay? In the evening, before you go to bed, you read the story. You do that every single day because your goal is not to read the story. Your goal is to tell the story, right? Because we're a story teller, all right? Not a story reader, you know? And this is a big, this is a big thing with me <laughs> because, because when I see like pathfinders and church school kids, you know, their teachers are teaching them to read the story, not to tell the story. And every time I watch People doing that, you know, the kids are all over the place. They're not really keyed in to that person telling, who's trying to tell them a story. Okay, so remember, not, do not read. Okay, and also focus on the big idea. There's always a big idea in a story. And the, our, and the quarterlies will bring that out. Um, devotional books is another great place to find children's stories to tell. For church or for vacation Bible school and but there's always like a kernel a seed in there that you want to get across to your kids okay so you want to focus on that because you don't want to just give them Bible information right we want to have Bible transformation we want that story to change their lives and so we need to find what is the big idea that I'm trying to get across just one thing just pick one thing you know, and the quarterlies usually do that. Like, um, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead. I, <laughs> okay, so that's what we want to focus. Focus on one big idea. And I'm going to show you what I mean in the next slide. Okay, all right. Now, this is an example from my kindergarten lesson just a few weeks ago. Uh, right now, we've been learning about Joseph. And this is the story, you know, when he went to Dothan, you know, to help his brothers out. Um, this is not the picture that's in the quarterly. I had I couldn't find one like that. So but anyway, this is a scary story, isn't it? 
Yes, because they're, the brothers are going to do something bad. Okay, but I want you to notice how, this is from Gracelink, and I really like how they handled it. It says, they talked about the brothers, talked about the bad things they could do to Joseph, and they made plans. What kind of plans? Terrible plans. Okay, now, those two plans, okay, were throwing him in the well, like we see in the picture here, and then later, what else did they do? They sold him to traders. Okay, those two things. Now, this story in, in my quarterly, all right, they didn't mention that, bro, that the brothers hated Joseph. They didn't mention that they were going to kill him. Okay, it wasn't in that story. They left that detail out for a good reason. But they showed they didn't like Joseph by doing those two things, right? So that's all we needed to focus on. They left out those gory details. And that is so important. We need to always think about what is appropriate for this age. And I had the benefit of, because I was trained as a teacher, you know, I studied spiritual development of children. But, you know, when you become an adventure leader, which I have been an adventure leader, I've been a pathfinder leader, I've been in children's ministry ever since I joined this church, you know, but there's all these resources there that help you understand the various ages of the children, how they think, how they're growing up, you know, what their needs are. And if you really want this to be a ministry of yours, then I encourage you to find a book, you know, like that, and go through it, and study, you know, just read it. You don't have to pass a test or anything, you know, but learn about what kids need, and, and that will help you also to be, a, to be a master storyteller. Okay, let's go on to the next one. All right, key number three. All right, all right. When you're getting ready to tell a story, it's like you're going to be in a marathon race, okay, or an Olympic runner, and you're at the starting line, and right beside you is Jesus, and Jesus is saying, get ready, get set. No, no, don't take off yet. Get ready, get set. So Jesus wants us, like I said, not to wing it. He wants us to prepare, prepare, okay, so, you know, I used to um, train Bible workers um, when I lived down in Oklahoma. And one of the things that I always told the kids, these college students, I said that it um, doesn't matter how many times you've given this Bible study. And when you get into Bible work, you give hundreds of ones and twos. <laughs> because that's, sometimes a lot of people, after the second lesson, they don't want another one. So you end up finding somebody else. But, but you know, so, but even if you've told that lesson hundreds of times, I still told them, I said, prepare today as if this was the first time you'd ever seen it. And that's what I did. That's what I do. Because I would go through the lesson again, I'd prayerfully ask Jesus to reveal himself to me in this story, in this lesson. And because I wanted to give fresh manna, a fresh experience to my students. And I've carried over that principle into my work with children. So same thing with my, no matter how many times I tell that Bible story, I am going to look at it again. I'm going to pray that Jesus will reveal himself to me and that he will guide me in knowing how to present it to the children. And so I'm going to have a fresh, a fresh story 
it's going to be it's going to be different than any other time I've told it. But that's one of the things we need to do. And take time to know your story and ask Jesus to help you to be able to tell it through the eyes of a child. So if you're maybe um, working with primaries, you know, and, and you have you've been reading about what primaries need, you know, but and so think about telling that story that will fit most primary kids. But then also think about the children in your church who are primaries that you're working with. You know, maybe you've got seven-year-old Molly over here. You know, what does Molly need in this story that she can take home with her and practice during the week? You know, because you want that story to become their story, not just your story or not just Jesus' story, but Molly's story. Because you know what? The most important part of any story is not the facts, it's not the plot, it's the application. It's what we do with that story. And if you're a Sabbath school teacher, you need to make time in order to talk to the kids about the application. Even if you're telling a children's story for church, there should be a little lesson at the very end that you tack on, you know, so that the children can make a decision. And, and that's our goal. That's our goal as, as um, storytellers for church time, is we want the children to make little decisions for Jesus. Okay. Oh, let's move on to our next one. All right. Pick a picture is key number four. Now, what do my pictures teach? You know, kids today, um, if you study about the brain, uh, scientists will tell you that um, our children's brains have become rewired. You know, our brains are always changing. And our kids, because they're so keyed in to computers, you know, and all of that graphics, you know, they're thinking graphically. So pictures are so important for getting the kids to really experience the story. Okay, so... If I'm telling this story about, let's say, the, um, the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, okay, I might find a clip art from the computer that looks like this, okay? Now, where's the devil? Isn't that funny-looking snake, right? Okay, now, is this a cute graphic? It is cute. It is cute. But it is not what I would call a truth-building graphic. Because are they going to think that, if I use pictures like that, is, are they going to think that the, the devil is someone they should stay away from? No. No. I mean, he looks fun. It's a, a fun picture, okay? And I would not use it for trying to teach children. Because, you know, we want them to know what sin is, even small children. You know, that sin hurts the heart of Jesus. And sin hurts us. So I don't want it to be too comical, all right? So as much as possible, I like to use pictures that are closer to looking real. Okay, now here's another picture. Um, this is from the series My Bible First. They use this artist's work quite a bit in their lessons. And Adam and Eve look like real people there, don't they? As compared with these guys, right? Don't they? 
and they look like real people who are about to make a bad decision. Okay? So this is more of a truth-building picture. Yes? So when you see pictures, I'm going to tell you just a bit. You can, you can find them in books. I I use my computer a lot, and um, there is a website that has this whole collection by this artist, and you can get every story in the Bible, and you can download them into making small cards or or eight and a half by 11 pictures. You could bind them and put them together in a book. Um, like, I have a binding machine at home, you know, so I can add these little binders on the side, you know. A binding machine only costs like $20, $25. It is a really good investment. Um, and then I'll have the pictures, and then I can, I can either, you know, do it this way and just flip this way and show it to them, or, or in book form. Yes. I have a laser printer, so it's much more cost effective than an inkjet. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that every week anyway. But if you want to know where you can get those pictures, um, you can go to the website is freebibleimages.org. You know, and you can you can make them into a PowerPoint and then you wouldn't have to to use any ink at all. Um, and Kids really like PowerPoint. Freebibleimages.org. Yeah. Yeah, it was a real gold mine. <laughs> Since I, when I found that, I said, oh, awesome. <laughs> Don't have to use uh, Google Images so much. Okay. All right. All right, the next big thing that has really made a difference in my ministry with kids is to use props. And no matter what age I've been working with, you know, when I was a Pathfinder leader, I used props. When I've been cradle roll leader, I use props. You know, when I tell children's stories at the church school, I use props. Okay? And props make your story come to life. Okay? Now, um, you can see up here. I think we're going to see up here. There we go. Okay, here are some props. Okay, now if I was telling the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, okay, I wanna, I wanna build an altar, okay, with the kids. You know, I could bring in some rocks, okay, I have rocks at home, or I could make some rocks, and they wouldn't be so heavy to carry, you know. So um, I just did some of this um, not too long ago. I just filled up a garbage bag. I made some that are bigger than this one. But I filled up a garbage bag, I stuffed it with plastic grocery sacks, then I taped it shut, and then I got one of those uh, rolls of brown um, craft paper that you wrap boxes up with, you know, when you're moving, and, and I just cut off a piece, and then I, and then I sponge painted it. You know, I, I took out a sponge and I put a lot of brown, different browns and different grays onto it, you know, so it would look more rocky. Then I crumpled it all up, and then I wrapped that paper, once it had dried, around my bags, and then, then just taped it shut. Now, um, another way is you can decoupage it onto your, onto your bag, too. But it looked really cool, and the, and the kids really liked it. And so we can use that for a prop. A decoupage is, is like a thick glue 
a craft glue that you can get at your craft store? Well, after you've taped it, it would it will it will make the paper stronger and it will stick and it will stick. Yeah, it will stick to the bag. Yep. Just give it a try. You can make them any size you want to. Yeah, these are much smaller than the, the rocks that I, I made. I made giant boulders because we were studying about Jesus at Gethsemane. So I wanted a few boulders, you know. But uh, you can make, I've made small ones too. Yeah, whatever, a small bag would work just fine. Okay, um, when I'm telling the story about Jacob um, making the, the, the multicolor coat for his son Joseph, I like to bring in wool. Now, I, um, I have been a, a shepherdess. We used to live up north, and I used to have a small flock of sheep, and I learned how to spin wool I, and make things out of the wool. And so I like to bring that along because, you know, most kids don't, have never seen wool, you know, or felt wool. Most kids have never seen a spindle, so I usually will bring in my drop spindle and show them how Jacob probably made the yarn for this coat, you know, but, you know, as a storyteller, those are my experiences. You know, I was, you may not have been a kept sheep, but you will bring your own experiences and things from your own house into your stories. And God will just show you, what can I do to make this story interactive and hands-on? Because most kids, if you talk to any teacher, will tell you that most kids are more hands-on about learning these days than they used to be. Okay, um, let's see. Now, no one has called me the bag lady yet, but I kind of am when it comes to story because I, what I like to do is I like to use a story bag. So whether I'm teaching Sabbath school or if I'm teaching up front in church, I always bring a couple of props in a container. Now, my last story that I told, I, I didn't bring a cloth bag. I brought a beach bucket, right? And I told the kids, I'm all ready for the beach. I got my sand bucket. I've got, let's see, I've got my shovel, okay? And you think I'm gonna play in the sand? It looks like it, but I'm actually going to the beach in order to find an amazing sea animal that lives in the shallow water. And then I pulled out this animal. Do you know what it is? Uh, it is. It's a seahorse. Of course, so many of them wanted to hold it, you know. <laughs> but my story was I was using the seahorse. And I told them, I said, you know, Jesus has given this animal an amazing tail. You know, he, see how his tail curls? And I had some plants, and I actually attached the seahorse to the plants. I just borrowed one of the plants from the podium. And I said, this animal has, this animal actually has a tail that's very similar to a monkey's tail. And scientists call it a prehensile tail. I didn't use that term with that one, I'm just telling you all, you know. But, you know, a monkey can just hang from a branch, right? You know, and his arms dangle down, you know, and he can be looking for fruit on the tree, you know. 
but Jesus gave the seahorse a tail like that too because, believe it or not, this is a fish. And he has some fins on the top of his head and on his back, only two. And because of that, he can't swim very fast. A seahorse can only swim five miles an hour. And, but, but Jesus has taken care of him by giving him this, this tail. And so the, the seahorse will hook on to a piece of coral, a piece of seaweed, you know, something down there in the water. And, and plus, he can camouflage himself to look just like the color of the coral or the color of the seaweed. And that's how Jesus keeps him safe. And whatever the seahorse holds on to is called his hold fast. And so I use this story to, um, to teach the children, you know, that Jesus is to be our hold fast, right? The Bible is to be our hold fast. And, um, but I use those props. And by bringing a bag or some kind of a container, you are creating something important, and it's called curiosity. And so it doesn't matter if you're working with juniors or early teens. You can build curiosity in that lesson or in that story by having a container that you're going to bring a couple of things out, and it makes all the difference in the world, let me tell you. I'm the only storyteller that does that at my church, but um, I keep hoping the other people will <laughs> will catch on. But so far, um, so far, no go. Okay. All right. Let's look at our next slide. All right. Number six. All right. You are speaking of props. You are the number one prop. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? As a storyteller, you are. Um, now, one way you could be um, a prop. Um, there was one year, there was one year when um, for Vacation Bible School, we had a program called, that was a Bible museum. Did any of you do that one? Do you remember that one? You don't do that? Oh, that was an awesome one. It was so much fun. And I got to be the Bible curator. So that meant that I, we, were, we wanted to do it, that part of the program in our church school in the hallway. So I, I set up three long tables and I filled it up with artifacts. Some of them were real, you know, actual Bible artifacts. Um, and some of them I had to make or buy. Like, um, like here, I still have it. I, this is a hieroglyphic clay tablet because that's how they wrote things back in Bible time. You know, and I went online and, and researched some letters of the that they used back then and, and just used like toothpicks, you know, to, um, to make them into some clay that I got at the craft store. Okay, and it's still nice and hard. Um, another artifact, I, I made a little, I made a little David sling because that was one of our stories. So all the artifacts in our museum went along with the stories for a vacation Bible school. So this is an actual piece of real leather, you know, and these are real leather Okay, pieces that I tied on, you know, and oh, the boys of the wind nutso when they saw this, they just loved it, you know. And um, this one I I bought I bought at um, Oriental Trading. That's another good thing, place where you can get stuff 
for telling children's stories. Of course, this does not fit my head. You know, I have a huge head. But, you know, when we were talking about e Egypt, and we had a lot of stuff for Egypt there. I had, had bought little models of their god, different gods to show the children. But, but anyway, I was the, the curator. And one day, one day our, we were having the story about Joseph in the coat of many colors. And so um, it was all about Bible clothing, you know. And of course, um, during the, in our, our, our fake museum, I had Bible pictures on the walls too. And, you know, I could have pointed to people there, you know, but I just thought that wasn't close enough for the kids. You know, I wanted something closer. And so I decided I am going to make myself a Bible outfit. And so I, I like to sew. So I got a pattern, and I made a Bible robe, and I, I found fabric that kind of looked Bible-like, you know, and I had a tunic that went over it. You know, it was like a long vest, you know, and then I had the tie around it, and of course the headdress, you know, the veil. You know, so the kids were so excited, even kids that went to the church school, you know, and knew all about the Bible. They just thought that was cool. Now, I didn't pretend I was... I was Rebecca or Sarah, you know. I was still Sue, the curator, the museum curator, you know. But I used, I was a walking demonstration, right, of, I was a walking prop, you know, of what I wanted to teach them. So that is one way you can be a prop. But when I think of me being a prop, the, I, I use costumes so minimally, I mean, probably 99.9% .9 of the time, you know. I don't do that, but, but I am still a number one prop because it's how I tell the story that makes me the prop. How do I use my voice when I tell the story? And like um, if we were telling the story of David and Goliath, you know, here comes young David. Just picture it, this young kid. You know, he's got his sling, he's got his staff with a stick, and he's coming towards the giant, you know, and the giant wants to fight with a soldier, right? And he sees this kid coming to him with a stick, and so he gets all mad, and he said, Who are you that you come to me with sticks? You know, gets mad like that, you know. Did your teachers ever tell you to read with expression? No, no, I, I cannot be a base, but I, I try my best, you know. But, but we can do that, especially when we're trying to um, say the same words that that person may have said. You know, Goliath is an extreme example, you know, because he was big and massive and he was mad, you know. But we can do that from time to time, and, and that will punch some extra interest in the story. Okay, um, so that's one way we can do it. Another way um, is, well, first of all, I want to show you this quote. This is from Councils to Parents, Teachers, and Students. Um, and this was a conversation between an Archbishop of Canterbury with uh, a famous actor back in, the, in those days, you know, in Ellen White's days. And the archbishop said, why is it you actors affect your audiences so powerfully by speaking of things imaginary? Okay, so things on the stage are not real, they're pretend. And so then the actor replied, my lord, replied Betterton, 
Permit me to say that the reason is plain. It all lies in the power of what? Enthusiasm, right? Okay, now if you are a very quiet person, okay, and you're going to have to move out of your comfort zone a little bit when you tell a children's story, okay? Because this is so important in a story, is using enthusiasm. We on the stage speak of things imaginary as if they were real, and you in the pulpit speak of things real as if they were imaginary. Ouch. That's <laughs> so that was kind, probably kind of boring, that, what, the, what he was saying about the ministers. Okay, so by using enthusiasm, we are showing that what, what we are sharing with the kids is really important to us, okay? And if Jesus has changed your life by the Bible, okay, then you can very naturally pass that on. It will just bubble out of you. So we want to get excited. We want kids to know that this isn't just an ordinary book. I remember working with Pathfinders, and, you know, and that was something I really wanted to share with them. You know, and I often did. I said, this is not an ordinary book. This is not just words on a page. I said, the same power that God used to create our world out of nothing is in every single sentence in this book. Now, do you believe that? If we believe that, then we're going to pass that on through our stories and how we tell them. We're going to get excited when we're telling them about the second coming of Jesus. We're, I mean, we're going to be smiling from ear to ear. We're going to tell them how we, we're going to be jumping up and down. I mean, we are going to get excited. I mean, I even did this when I, when I give Bible studies. And people can tell that I have something. I have that inner joy about Jesus and his word. And that's what they want. And that. And my juniors, that's what they wanted. I mean, I had kids that were so hard, so hard. And juniors was a tough age group for me because I'm, I'm really more of a, a younger kid type of teacher. But, but these kids were hard, just sitting on their chairs, just sort of almost, you know, arms folded like, I dare you to touch me, you know, type of thing. You know, but, you know, as I began, you know, through the year, sharing my own experience with Jesus in an enthusiastic way, you know, using things from nature um, and showing them real things, um, these, I saw changes in every one of my juniors. And I saw them want to know Jesus, want to have a devotional life with him, want to be baptized. You know, and I know it was not in, it was not me, you know, it was the Holy Spirit using me, but they could see that Jesus, I had Jesus in my life. And juniors, I'll tell you, juniors and early teens want a religion that works. They want a real. They don't want no phony, you know, just going to church, you know, just words. They want something real. And that's what they're looking for. So we want to pass on our excitement with Jesus. Okay, um, let's move on to our next key. Oh, oh, I wanted to share this verse with you. 
Okay? This is one of my favorite verses. Jesus says in John 12, 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. All right. And that's what we want as, as storytellers, right? We want, I should take this off. We, should, we want to draw the children to Jesus. So when I look at this text, you know, I always think Jesus is saying, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all children to myself. And that, that is my prayer. And um, I love what Ellen White shares with us about how that happens. Um, in the first volume of the Testimonies, page 162, she says, if Christ be in us, the hope of glory, we shall discover the matchless charms in him that the soul, which is the children we're working for, will be enamored. That means they will love with, right? That's what shows up there. We will cling to him, choose to love him, and admiration, and in admiration of him, self will be forgotten. And that's what we need to walk closely with Jesus. And Jesus will be magnified and adored. Okay? So we need an experience to be a, a storyteller. We need a close experience with Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is in us, the hope of glory, if we love him to our core, then we'll be able to pass on those matchless charms of Jesus to the boys and girls that we are ministering to, okay? We want them to follow us, to copy us, okay, as we are following Jesus, all right? We are their picture of Jesus, okay? And what a Christian who loves Jesus looks like. So that is really a, a prerequisite. Now, you know, um, there's a big, there's a big um, push in working with kids and youth to to follow um, to follow the ways of the world. You know, our kids have a lot of stress on them, a lot of things pulling them. You know, um, there's the rock music. You know, um, there's the computers. You know, there's the the smartphones. I mean, they are so distracted, and so. Um, Many people have tried to use those same things in order to win them and grab their attention, okay? But there used to be um, a church called Willow Creek. Any of you ever hear of Willow Creek? Well, it's not a Seventh-day Adventist church. It's a non-denominational church, and it was run by a pastor named Bill Hybels. And Bill Hybels had the idea, I want to reach the secular people in my community, Okay, and that's a good thing, right? But, you know, he, won, he went about it in a business way. He wanted to use advertising as his method. And so his method was, I'm going to find out, I'm going to go door-to-door to door with surveys, I'm going to find what these people want, and I'm going to give it to them. And so what did the people want? They wanted rock bands. They wanted puppet shows. They wanted skits. They wanted drama. And so that's what the church gave them. But just about a year ago, Bill Hybels was being interviewed by a Christian magazine, and he said, was very shocking, he said, we made a mistake. You know, and he said, yeah, it brought the people, but it didn't keep them. And they weren't growing to be good Christians. 
solid Christians who really loved their Lord and were living a Christian life. And so he said, we decided to teach them the Bible, get them into their Bible, studying the Bible. <laughs> we taught them how to pray. We taught them how to share their faith. That's where we're at right now, you know. And so, I mean, that's what the Bible tells us, right? That's what Christian discipleship is really all about, you know. So for me, we don't need those, the world's trappings. We don't need to, the world's methods. We have, if we have Jesus, if we have the love of Jesus, if he's in us, okay, we can use some very simple things, and it's still going to grab the kids' attention, and it's going to help them grow. And I have seen it. I've seen it in my, in my ministry. Okay, key number seven is tell the story, okay? Um, all right, so when we're telling a story, we're not acting out the story, all right? I'm not going to be King David, or I'm not going to be Queen Esther, okay? I'm the storyteller. It's kind of like I was there watching that story unfold. Okay, it's kind of like, you know, if I know the kids are playing out there, but you know, if the window was open, and let's say we saw a helicopter land out there in the courtyard, and then we saw a bunch of guys get out of the helicopter, and they all had a hammer in their hand, and they went around that courtyard, and they were smashing all the windows, okay? And then later, later in the day, the police came by, and they found out that we were one of the classrooms here, and so they were going to come and ask you, what did you see? Okay, now what would that make you? A witness, that's right. You know, and that's what we are when we're a Christian storyteller. We are a witness. Okay, it's, so it's like we were there, like in the story of Daniel. We were in the dining room, okay, with Daniel and all those other young men who were there eating with the king. We saw all those tables just loaded with Babylon food. We saw the stuffed pigs. We saw the red lobster. We saw the turtles. Um, that's all the food. That, that's some of the food that they ate back then. We saw the wine sparkling in the goblets. Okay, And then we saw over here, we saw an empty plate. Daniel wasn't eating. Oh no. And because we are a we are a witness for Jesus. Jesus has given us the ability to know what Daniel was thinking. Okay? Daniel was thinking, I love Jesus. I love God. I want to be faithful here in the court of Babylon. I want to eat and drink for the glory of God. I want to keep his commandments. So, we can use those things, pull those things, so to speak. Think of yourself as you have this little toolbox with you all the time, but you're pulling that out of this story and sharing that with the boys and girls in a very enthusiastic way, right? Okay, all right. See, the kids are having such a great time with that teacher up there. Okay, so think of yourself as a witness because that is what we're doing. Um, okay, so I want to move on because our time is running out here. Yeah, 
of showing the different ages. Like the two little ones had a block of Marduerite. Yeah, she's a blended classroom. The bigger one was, was uh, the biggest one was really getting involved. Yeah. The, so I kind of showed the different ages. Yeah, that's very true. And she was keeping them all together. Now, um, when I was training college students to give Bible studies down in Oklahoma, um, I shared with them, well, I didn't have a little boy in it, but um, this is what I call a saving triangle, okay? And this is, in a nutshell, this is how we can be making a big impact in children's lives, okay? So first of all, we have a saving what? Message, right? And for us, that means our truth-building story that we want to share with them, okay? And then we have a method, okay? We want to use Christ's methods in order to share that saving message. And then the third essential ingredient is the messenger, okay? And God always uses this format in order to teach truth, whether you are a preacher in the pulpit on Sabbath morning, whether you're giving a Bible study to a friend, or whether you're telling a children's story. This is God's method of evangelism. And that's how I see Christian storytelling. Okay, now, if I was to, let's say, pop in a video, okay? All right, would I have a saving message? It could be, if it was a story about Jesus, maybe, you know, but it was a video. It's still, I still got the message, right? And it would be a captivating method. Kids like videos, okay? But where's the messenger? Is it me? I'm not there anymore. All I did was pop that in into the machine, okay? So that human element would be missing. And we need the human element in order to be a disciple maker. And that's what we're doing when we're telling a story. Okay, that's what we're doing when we're giving a Bible study or preaching, whatever it is. We need, God always uses the human element. And this is why even though a video is captivating, okay, kids like it, okay, it's, it's not going to fit in with our goal of making young disciples of Jesus, okay? So that's, that's okay for them to do at home, all right, with their family, but not in a storytelling um, uh, opportunity. Yes? So when you mentioned my maybe using a PowerPoint because of not wanting to spend all the money to send them out, then I would have to be, be still there as the messenger talking about each picture. Yes, that's right, exactly. Right. Otherwise, it would get to be what you're talking about here. That's right. But you can also get the kids involved when you do uh, PowerPoints. Because, like, I had a kindergarten primary room for Sabbath school. And one year we were doing a, um, I put together a program on dinosaurs in order to teach about creation and evolution. And um, so, you know, I had really cool pictures of dinosaurs that we used in that program. But I had little kids advancing the slides, and they loved doing that. That was fun, you know, and the kids would take turns reading the slide, you know, because there's only a small amount of information on a slide. But it would still give me as the teacher opportunity to also be teaching with that slide. So it gets them involved 
but it also, I am still the one, the teacher. I'm still the teacher. And we don't want to lose that relationship. Okay? That's right. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. So I like using slideshows occasionally, but not every week. Like I said, it's variety, variety, variety. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to our next slide. We're getting to the end here. Okay, key number eight is get close. Okay. Um, this is a very, very important one. Um, now, one of the things that can happen in church is that, um, you know, we've got steps leading up to the platform, you know, where they have the pulpit for the minister, you know, and quite often, I've seen a lot of people do this, is, is the storyteller will sort of sit on the platform step, and then there'll be all you kids here in the front, you know, and, but in between, if, it, if you're anything like my church, in between, there's this big gap. You know, there's probably like, if I'm sitting here, you know, the kids are right there in that second row, and I have all this gap, you know, and when you have a, a big distance, like, between you and a child, all right, you are losing them. It's easy to lose their attention. The kids are going to be all over the place. And, you know, what you need to do, you need to move. You need to, that's much better for you to stand up, just like I'm doing now, you know, and if somebody was getting wiggly over here, you know, I could just move over here. And automatically, that startles the child a little. And, it, well, if, he's, if she's talking to her friend and, and giggling about something, that usually they stop, okay? This is a technique that they teach teachers, you know, in, in college. And, and I've, I have taught kids even in the inner city of Flint, and, and that still works. Or, you know, or you can use their name as part of the story if you see that they're getting wiggly. But you, you all also always need to watch your crowd. You know, you need to watch to see and, and adjust your story sometimes, you know, to see what the kids are doing. Okay, but I don't like to, to, to have that gap ever, you know. And in Sabbath school, that's why I like to, like in my class, you know, we have a story corner where I have a special rug on the floor and, and it's all decorated, you know, to, to be a cute space for the kids. And, you know, I get down on the rug just with the kids, you know, because I want to be close to them. And because when I'm close to them, they are glued to me, okay? But, you know, if I am, if I am sitting in some chair and, and they're sitting in some chairs, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to keep their attention. So, I find to, to move around, okay, to stand up and, and minimize that distance. And if you're teaching in Sabbath school, like in some of our Sabbath school classes in my church, we have what we call these kidney-shaped tables, you know, and you see them in, in, um, in classrooms a lot. And they are really big, and I do not like them. Um, I've used them, but I don't like them because it, it, there is a lot of distance between. I like smaller tables with the kids, you know, because you're really, but the principle is to be as close to them as you possibly can, and it will keep their attention, okay? All right, um, next one is plant it deep. Okay, um, do you want the kids 
to remember your story just for that Sabbath or just for the first Monday in Vacation Bible School? No, you want them to remember it all week long. You want it even to stay with them all their lives. Okay, so you want, we want to do things that will help plant God's word in their long-term memory. Okay, and there's four big principles that will help you do that. Um, first one is sing it. Okay, now, um, you wouldn't have to do this all the time, but singing is a great way to plant it because, you know, there's just something about music. You know, it doesn't have to be music with words even, but if you've got music involved, then it is going in to a child's long-term memory. It's going in more deeply than if you just said it to them, okay? So I like to sing the memory verse, if I'm teaching Sabbath school, I like to sing the Bible verse. And, you know, when you're telling a children's story up front, you can open up a Bible and have a verse that goes along with your story. We do that at our church a lot and have the kids say it after, after them. But I like to sing it with the kids. And um, just recently, I told a story um, about, about uh, I use a nature, an animal, to introduce the idea. But my story was about how to be a living temple for the Holy Spirit, okay? So it was about health. And, and so at the end of my story, I still had a, a little bit of time, I introduced a, a song to them called Body House. Have any of you ever heard that song? Have you ever heard of Janice's Attic? It's still, now this is not a brand new book. It used to be a program, I believe, on 3ABN, but um, you can still get this book at the ABC. And it's got wonderful character-building songs in here. And I discovered this one on called Body House. And so I thought, oh, that is such a... No, it doesn't have pictures. No, just the songs and the music, you know. With the... So, um, so I taught them the song with, with some simple actions. You know, I said, Body House body house. God has given me a body house. He made it from scratch and the parts fit tight. He put it all together and he made it just right. He made it for me for the day and night. I'm living in my body house. That was all. But so I did it and then I asked them to stand up and do it with me and they were smiling from ear to ear. They just loved that can we do that again, Miss Sue? You know, I just loved it. You know, so you think they're going to remember that story? Yeah. They are. They're going to remember that for a long time because they were singing it. After church, I could hear them singing it. Okay. So, um, and you know, I remember when I first went to, uh, my first school I ever went to was Andrews University, first Adventist school I ever went to. And um, I used to go, of course, to to church there, to chapel, and when we went to Vespers on Friday night, and that was when I first discovered scripture songs. And just the other day, somebody started quoting from Psalm 63, verse 3, and, and all of a sudden, boing, that song that I learned way back when at Andrews came back to me, thy loving kindness is better than life. Have you ever heard that one? 
My lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee. My, uh, I will bless thee while I live. That's the way I learned it. But, you know, it's been a lot of years since I've been at Andrews. <laughs> but that song came back to me because it was planted in my long-term memory. And that's what we can do with our boys and girls. Okay, another uh, way to plant it deep is to picture it. Okay? And we've talked about this already a little bit. Okay? And that's why um, when you're working with little kids, um, pictures, felts, you know, those are dynamic ways to teach a story. Um, another way that I like doing with primary is I like to, we, I give them picture kits. And I've been an art teacher, and so I like to do artsy things in teaching lesson with kids. And so what I, I used my, um, my printmaster again, and I made like a background scene, you know, with hills and a path and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I would give each one of them that paper. But I also would pick clip art that would illustrate that story. And I did this one year. I was asked to tell the story at an adventure fun day. And um, so I had like 35 kids in this one class, you know. And so we all did this. And as I was telling the story, I believe it was a story of Rebecca and um, being picked to be um, Isaac's wife, you know, I had... Each of them had a little sandwich bag, and they had some clip art in there. So as I'm telling the story, I would ask them, okay, now let's, let's find Rebecca in our bag. You know, and so they'd pull out Rebecca, and then they would glue it onto their, their picture background. And so as we're going through, we're going through all these steps, and they were focused, they were listening, they were attentive, because their hands were busy. That was one thing, okay? That was the big thing, really. You know, and they're going to remember because they are hearing me, they were seeing the picture, and they were doing something with it, okay? And the more of those, we call those learning modalities um, in education, the more of them you use, the easier it's going to be for kids to remember what you've told them, okay? So that sort of goes into with the do it, okay? And studies have shown that when you have an active component like that, whether it's with art or whether it's with games, Bible games, then kids are going to remember at least at least 45% more than if you hadn't done anything active with them. Now, um, I showed you this little book as far as the binder is concerned, but I have a ministry called Bring Them to Jesus, and I'm producing materials for Sabbath school leaders and so this is one of the uh, books that um, I was selling just yesterday over at the library. It's called Bible Fun, and it's got memory verse games for kindergarten through juniors. And um, I'm selling the, I only have three left, but uh, they're $5, but they have a lot of fun games. They're not going to take a lot of time. If, if you're teaching Sabbath school or vacation Bible school, um, it's good to have an arsenal of Bible games you can do with kids. Okay, all right, I'll save it for you after. No, it's only five, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so sing it, picture it, do it, and the last one for planning a deep is hide it. Now, what do you think that is referring to? David said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, so it's all about memorizing, right? 
Okay, and this is such a big part uh, sometimes of telling a story. We do want the kids to remember what God said, okay? I mean, we want them to remember what we said, but primarily what God said, you know? And so that's why I like to open up the Bible as part of the story, you know, and share one little verse with the kids and have them say it after me or sing it with me. And because I want to plant that deep into their minds, and especially if you're a Sabbath school teacher, this is a big part of our ministry. Okay, we have one more key, and this is the most important one. Can you say it with me? Pray, pray, and pray. Okay, so we're going to pray that God is going to speak through you, okay? And when you lift up Jesus, and you want to pray that the Holy Spirit is going to use the story that you are sharing with the children in order to change their lives to turn their hearts to Jesus to, so that they will give their hearts to him like I did long time ago and that they will want to be in his family and his young disciple. So praying is so important. So pray for yourself and pray for them as well whenever you have an opportunity to share a story. So I would like to pray with you all and ask that the Lord will bless you in your ministry as you work with young children or any, any age of children. Okay, so let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity we had to get together, and, and I hope and pray that these keys will help each person here to become a master storyteller just like you. Lord, I pray for a double portion of your spirit upon each one, that they will have a deeper experience with you and that they'll be able to pass that on as your witness as they use Christian storytelling to reach today's kids for Jesus. And in your name we ask this. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.